The Eddie B. Sit edition, an audio series of the Talmud Bavli. Masichet Sota has been dedicated by our good friends and Talmud, Mr. Haimi and Dina Dana, for the success of their children and especially the Fuashirema Moshe Ben Dina. and we are on the bottom of the Amud. We are four lines from the bottom. Amar Upaskuachamana. It says when the Beit HaMikdash was destroyed, there were no longer people that had imunah. People of faith ceased to exist. So comes the Gibran says, what is the degree of faith that a person has to have? Amar Bishak, Elu bin Adam, Shehen Ma'aminim Ba'kadosh Baruch The people that trust in God, Netanya, a guy that has bread in his basket, which means he has enough to eat for today. The Omer, what am I going to eat tomorrow? He has a small amount of faith. Which means, you're good for today. Then what are you worrying about tomorrow? Tomorrow is tomorrow. If anybody's worried about tomorrow, if they have something that they can sustain themselves today, what does it mean in the Pesukimibaz? What is this person referring to? What is going to cause the tzaddikim that their tables in Olam are going to be depleted or diminished? Baz. Which is even the great Sadiqim, their Olam is going to be compromised a bit. You know what's going to cause that? Katnut Shayabahim Shelo Eminu Bekadosh Baruchu. Because they had a small amount of Emunah. Now the Maharsha points over there, you see over there, you can still be called a Sadiq, even if you don't have too much Emunah. It seems he says that Emunah is an Inyan of Hasidut. But uh, you can still be called a Sadiq. So what's going to cause the tables of the Sadiqim to be diminished in Olam Abba? Bibaz? The Gemara says, the Yom Katnut, because of the Katnut Emunat they had in their lifetime. Shadow Emir Bakados Baruchu, Rabah Amar. Rabah says this person was referring to a different situation. We're talking about the children of the Rishaim that die. Now, why did the children of the Rishaim die? As a punishment, as a kapara for the Rishaim. So the Gemara is going to say that these children go up to Olam Abba, and then what? When their fathers eventually die, God's going to punish their fathers. So the children are going to go to God and say, What did you kill us for? Which is, oh, we went a couple up for them. You're going to still punish them as well? So the Gemara says, Edu This is referring to the children of the Rishaim of the Jewish people. They are going to rip up their father's judgment. The children are going to save their father from Gainam. How? Which means, if already you were going to punish them anyway, So why did you punch their teeth through us? Which is, why did you kill us? Then you should have just punished them uh, by themselves. Ella, we must have been kapara for them. Therefore, they're going to save their fathers. Me, Baz, who's going to cause the, the Sha'im's judgment to be ripped up? Katnut. The young children that were killed. If it wasn't for the prayer of David, that prayed for the poor people of his time, all the Jewish people would have been selling fat. They would have been selling very, very uh, menial items, dirty items that nobody likes to sell because their clothes get all dirty selling it like fat and things like that. And it's a poverty item that people sell. If it wasn't for David Miller's prayer, all the Jewish people would have been selling these items. David Amalek prays to Borei Olam. Please God, let the Jewish people have superiority over their enemies. How do you have superiority over their enemies? By giving them money. Well, as long as they have money, so now the Goyim have to reckon with them. But if they don't have money, so the Goyim are able to dominate them. So he prayed that what? 
that uh, uh, the Aniim, because in that chapter of Tehillim it says, God says, David says, please do not forget the prayers of the Aniim, and then he says, give them a hand, give them, or give them um, a marut, give them superiority to these poor people that should have wealth, so the Goyim will also know that they don't have the kavod themselves, the kavod also belongs to the Jewish people. If was for the prayer of Habakkuk Navi, Haya the poverty would have been so strong amongst the scholars of Israel that they would have so little money that two scholars would have to study Torah sharing one talit it's cold in the winter so they need to, to warm themselves up so they have to share one talit if Habakkuk didn't pray the poverty would have hit the tabidi to such a degree Shana Imar Hashem Shamarti Shemachai Yareti Hashem Pa'olcha Bekerev Shanim Hayehu which means kiruv shenayim means those two people that are close to each other, the two tamidakim that studied together, Mahabruta, that what had to study close to each other because they could only share one talit. So what did Habakkuk pray? Bekerev shenayim hayehu, meaning give them sustenance, give them berachah, they should be able to have a adequate parnasa. Now she says, Ota pe'ulashilcha, your work. Give them their sustenance. So David Amalek prayed for Aniye Yisrael, and Habakkuk prayed for the Tamidah Achavim. have two scholars that are walking on the road. They're not speaking the Torah. They are worthy to be burnt in the fire. When Elisha and Nabi and Eliyahu and Nabi were walking, this is before Elisha Eliyahu and Nabi died. How did he die, Eliyahu and Nabi? He really didn't die. But a fiery uh, 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 chariot came down and took Eliyahu up in the fire. Now it says in the Pasuk, which means as Elisha and Eliyahu and Nabi were walking, they were talking. What were they talking? The Torah. Now the fire came and did not attack them. It only took Eliyahu and Nabi up to the Shamaim. Smashma only because they were talking the Vre Torah. The fire was not damaging. So the Gemara makes a view. Tamad ikadibur. Only because they were talking the Vre Torah. If the fire would have came down, and who knows, it might have burnt them. Instead, it was not a damaging fire. Only because they were speaking the Vre Torah. Living in the same city, but they are not pleasant with each other in the halakha, which is they don't converse with each other, they don't talk to each other in halakha. One of them is going to die, and one of them is going to go to Galut, which she said it's going to be possible that one Tamir Akam is going to kill the other Tamir Akam by mistake. So therefore, one of the Akamim died, and the other one has to go to Galut, because he's a murderer of Bishogeg. Now she says, that might not happen actually, but God will make it, that one of them will die, and one of them will end up going into exile. The one that goes to Ir Miklat is the one that kills his friend, without knowledge. We know Da'at is referring to Rosh Hashanah which means the reason why the fellow is going to kill his friend is because there's no Da'at, there's no Torah. Because the Tamidah are not talking to each other, so the Torah is not being studied uh, by the two Akhamim. So when there's a lack of Torah being studied, it causes Has Shalom, the situation of the Eir Miklat and Galut. Amar Torah any time I come to study Torah under duress, under difficult times, his prayers are answered. That's the nation of Zion. That's the Tamidachim that's sitting in Zion. That she says, those are the people that are studying Torah. What does it say? They don't have to cry to God. Which means God will answer their prayers when they cry out to them. Now, how do we know these Tamidachim are? Uh, studying Torah in dire poverty. The Pasuk says when they uh, when God hears their prayers, Anach is going to answer them. God's going to give them a small amount of bread and a small amount of water. Which means we're talking about that have minimum amount of sustenance and still they're studying Torah. God answers their prayers. 
Nafkamina, somebody wants a berachat, you should go to Tamir Achat, that's funny to Rabbi Da'at, that's Tifilah's answer. So therefore, he has an advantage. So somebody wants answer, so why don't they pray for money? So the answer is because that doesn't concern them. Just like we gave him Mashal once that you, you, you have somebody that's addicted to, to drugs. So a guy that's addicted to drugs, he doesn't pray for a new car, and he doesn't pray for a new dining room table, and he doesn't pray for a trip to Florida. What does a drug addict pray for? More drugs. So the same thing, they have deal. When a person's addicted to Torah, Oh, that other shtayot doesn't bother him. He wants money, you know? He wants to understand the Rashi. He wants to understand the Gemara. So therefore, these, he's not praying for more food, because food is not his item. He's more interested in the Torah itself. But his tefillah will be answered on things that he needs for Torah spirituality. And of course, if other people ask him to pray for him, that's a very, very big berachah. Comes again, Gemara continues, Abu Omer, He is satiated from the divine presence. That their eyes are going to see their teacher. Who's their teacher? God Almighty. Which means their eyes are going to be satiated. They're going to be close to the Shekhinah. Which is even the curtain in Shamayim is not locked in front of them. Which means they're able to go to the highest places inside the, you know, the most uh, uh, hidden areas the, uh, that's behind the Pargod, the curtain of Imad. Which means their teacher will not cover himself up. Which means the Me'itza will not cover them from their marriage. So they'll be able to go behind the Pargod, which is, like I said, the most inner places. From the time the Bet was destroyed every single day, Hasbis Shalom has a Kedala. Every single day has a curse. That's what the Gemara said. So comes the Gemara and Zdoresh, Amar Abba Bechod, Yom Vayom Merubah, Kedadatom Shavarot. Not only is there curse, but the curse is compounded. The curse gets worse and worse every single day. Shleiman. Beboker Tomar Miyitin Arif. The curse is going to be so great that in the morning the people are going to wish that the evening would come, and in the evening they're going to come and say, We wish that the morning would come. She's always going to anticipate uh, another situation. In the morning they say, We wish it was night, and the night they say, We wish it was the morning. The Gemara says, Hey, Bokin, which, which morning? Which means when you say in the evening they're going to wish it was morning. Which morning? If they're going to anticipate tomorrow, do they know what's going to be tomorrow? Maybe tomorrow's going to be worse. They're concerned, give us yesterday. Because even though yesterday was a big curse, compared to today, it's much worse. We say, we'd rather take Ma'erim Yoman Miyatin Bokir. We'd rather be yesterday. Because yesterday's curse was less than it is today. So if the curses are so great, every single day the world is being compounded by the curse. So what does the world stand on? What are we, what are we existing on? So give us two things. On two items, on the Kiddushah de Sidra, that's the Ubal Siyon, that we say every single day, Kadosh, 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 and then we interpret it in Aramaic. Like, like we said, all that. Why does the world stand on that? Because that's everybody's fulfillment of the study of Torah. Because what is the study of Torah? You say a pasuk and you interpret it. So even the biggest amahan is to be praised every morning, at least he's studying Torah. So the world stands on the Ubal Siyon. Of course, it's really two things. Number one, you're sanctifying God's name, Kadosh, 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 and you're learning Torah at the same time. So therefore, the Gemara is saying the Kiddushah Ubal Siyon is so great that the world stands on that Ubal Siyon. That's as great as value as it is. And what? And on the Kaddish Al Yisrael that said after a Shi'ud, Especially on Shabbat, where the people had a day off of work. During the week it was hard for them to come to the Shi'urim. But in the old days, the big Shi'urim took place on Shabbat. And the rabbis would teach them halachot and things like that. So you had the Vret Torah. And then after the Shi'urim, they would make Kiddush Hashem by answering the Kaddish. So again, you had the components of Kiddush Hashem with the Vret Torah. So the world stands on the Kaddish Al Yisrael that's said after a Shi'ur. Because you have those two components. I'll show you how valuable those moments are. Uh, that's the fuel of the world. We have to be careful. The Makbid on the Kaddish Al after a Shi'ur. It's something that the people uh, mistreat and belittle it. But you see the value of it. The Torah is telling us the world stands on such a, as well as Ubalitsu. Many people leave the synagogue before Ubalitsu or they don't treat it as uh, as valuable. You have to know at that moment over there, the world stands. According to the Halakha, Khamavadiyah writes that those people that with a Benutam should actually try to have their Benutam to fill in at the time of the Ubalit Circus. The books bring down that you're supposed to learn Torah 
with your Rebbeinu Tam. So by saying Ubali Tzion, you're actually learning Torah at the same time that you have your Rebbeinu Tam on. And anyway, how do we know this is true? Shneimar, because the pasuk says Eres Efata Kemo Ofer Salma Darim, which means the world is dark, like the darkness of death, and there is no. Um, there's no order, uh, no order in the world. So it says, <laughs> because there's no Torah, which means there's no order of the parashot of the Torah. So the Gemara makes a deal. But if there's going to be studying sedarim, meaning groups of people that study Torah in, in the right times, the world will come out of its darkness. The only reason why the world is in darkness is because there's no sedarim. There's no groups that are studying Torah. However, the, the world will be taken out of darkness when there's an order to the Torah, when people are reading the Ubal coming to Shi'urim, and they're reciting the Kaddish from the time that the Beit HaMikdash was destroyed, there was no more dew that was coming down from Beracha, and the flavor, the flavor of the fruit also got diminished. Rabbi Yosef said in the Mishnah that the nutrients, the shomen of the perot also became diminished. And if you remember, the band Rabbi Shimon bin Azar said that when the people stopped fulfilling the laws of tahara, eating the fruits with purity, so then already the flavor and the smell of the fruits, the fragrance also went away, and when they stopped giving their ma'asrot, the fatness of the wheats also diminished. So comes the Gemara now and analyzes it. Tanya, we have a bright Rabbi Shimon ben Elazar Omer, tahara, when the people stop being careful on the laws of tahara, batla ta'am v'reyach, so that already, or bitila, already that this caused the fruits to lose their flavor and their fragrance. Which means, so long as, look at Ashida, she's very, very, very significant over it. She says, bitlatam, on the right column, all the way down. So long as the people acted with purity, they treated themselves with tara. So God purified the fruit from bad taste and bad smell. You purify, God purifies the fruit. Comes the Gemara and continues and says, Ma'asir. When the people stop being careful and giving the ma'asrot, bitel shuman dagan. That already caused the dagan to lose its uh, nutrients. So that she says, ma'asir bitel shuman dagan, ba'avon pisuk ma'asrot, because the people stop giving their ma'asrot. Basak shuman dagan. Kishmoshil ma'asir dikli chalev, which means the Torah calls the ma'asir chalev. Chalev is the fat. So the midah can make midah. You stop giving the dagan that's called chalev, the fat of the of the grain. So therefore, the grains became minimized. Comes the Gemara and says a story. Ravuna ashkar tomarta dehinunita. He found a certain tamar, a certain date, a certain species of date that's called the haninuta species. And the hakamim say it has a very good fragrance. It has a very good smell. Ravuna found it. Shakla karchabisudri took and he wrapped it up in his handkerchief. Atar says, Wow, I smell the delicious fragrance of the haninuta dates. Amalesu Ravuna told his son, Beni, if you're smelling it, that must be you have purity, because not everybody can smell it. It seems it's selective. Only if you have ta'ara, you're able to smell it. So you're impressing me that you have purity if you can smell it. So what did he do? So Ravuna gave his son the, uh, the date. In the interim, Ravuna's grandson, which means the son of Rabah, who his name was Abba, he came now. So what happened? Shakla Yavani So Rava gave the date to his son. So Ravuna gave it to Rava, and Rava gave it to his son. So what happened? Amar le Ravuna tells his son Rava, Beni, simachta et libi veketa china. You made me happy, but you punched me in the teeth. Why? Because you made me happy that I see how pure you are, that you're able to smell the item. But you punched me in the teeth because I gave you the item and you gave it to your son. You're showing me what? That you love your son more than you love me, which means uh, I gave you the item yourself and you gave it and you gave it to your son. So therefore that was like a, uh, a slight to Ravuna. Look at the Rashi on top left column. You may be very happy to show me that you're very pure. 
וכיתה את שני, שאיתני שעבדך על בנך יותן מעלי, שנתת ממני ונתת לי, you took the date for me, you gave it to your son. From here the Gemara learns that a person loves his children even more than he loves his father. And the Gemara says, Hainu de'amri inchin, this is what the people say, Rachameh de'abba abene, the father loves his children. Rachameh, Rachameh de'bne, but the love of the children, on his children that he has. That means the, chi- the father loves the child. But who does the child love? His children. The child loves his children even more than he loves his own father. Now the Gemara comes along and tells us a similar story. raised his grandson, his daughter's child. That's Rav Yaakov Bar Berata, the son of his daughter. That means you have a rabbi that raised his grandson, like it happens. Well, what happened? Ki Gadal, when Rav Yaakov got older, Amar Les, or tells his grandson, Ashkiyan Maya, could you please go get me, uh, go get me some water? Amar Lo, Lav Berachana, I'm not your son. I'm your grandson, which means, therefore, I don't have to give you the kavod like a father has to give to the, uh, the son has to give to the father. So the Gemara comes along and says, This is what the people say, You raise the grandchild and you give him everything, and then what does he tell you? I'm your grandson. Which means after all that, after all the uh, items that he was doing for him, he goes, hey, I'm not your son, I'm your grandson. So that's the Gemara is trying to teach us this uh, concept. Now, uh, there's a whole discussion in this amongst the post movie. You see that the law of Kibbutz Abayim does not apply, according to this, to uh, grandparents. Again, there's a whole discussion uh, on this. They want to bring an ayah from this. Uh, Some want to say that, no, really, the grandson has to respect, but over here was Hefzid Mamon. He was asking him to get him something. Maybe he had to go buy the water or get the water. To that extent, that he has to expend money for the grandfather that already is maybe not uh, obligatory. That's already the theme, uh, which is why a father, the halakha says you don't have to expend money. It's the theme, Mishnah. If the father tells you, go buy me this item, the halakha says the father has to pay for it. The son does not have to spend money uh, for the father. But for a, grand, for a grandson, it's not even the theme, Mishnah Tadin. It's not even a hasidut, which is if the grandfather says, you got to go get me something, and it costs money, he doesn't even have to uh, do it at all. There's a famous story of a, uh, with the brisker rub, I think. There was a fellow... Uh, he came along and his father wanted to see him. He hadn't seen his son in a long time. So he came to the Briska Rav and he said, Listen, now, I read the Alakha. The Alakha said that the, the son does not have to expend money to go respect the father. And that to get from here to my father, got to take the train. And the, it's, it's many miles away. And the train is, uh, you know, a lot of money. And my father's not willing to pay it. So therefore, I'm patur. He says, Absolutely, walk. <laughs> so you're right, you don't got to spend money, but you got to respect your father. Don't spend money, go walk, go walk 100 miles to go see your father. Remember, try to tell him over there, of course, the Kibbutz Abayim is, is very strong. In any event, in any event, there's a whole discussion over here because really this was the, it was his, um, it's a question, this was uh, his grandfather from his mother's side, it was his maternal grandfather. That's what the Gabbana says, maybe there's a difference between a paternal grandfather and a maternal. So you can make that chayluk. As well, the post came again from this sugya, discuss the parameters of what does it mean respecting a grandparent, uh, whether it's uh, where it's from and so on and so forth. Okay, in any event, Next Mishnah. Okay, now the Gemara discusses that at the time of the destruction of the Beit Hamikdash, the Rabbi started to enact different laws in order to give a sign of avilut because of the destruction. So Gemara says, "Bepulmos shel Aspasianos." At the time of Aspasian, that's Vespasian. He was the general of the Romans when he started to make the Gezerot against the Jewish people. That was at the time of the destruction of the Second Beit Hamikdash. Gazdu, the rabbi started making gizirot al atrot hatanim. We'll see that was a certain crown that the hatanim used to wear at the weddings. Ve'al ha'irus, that was a certain type of instrument that used to play at the weddings. So they decreed that no more that. But pulmos shel titos, titos is Titus, that's also at the time of the Romans. Gazru al atrot kalot, that was a certain tiara that the kalot used to wear at the weddings and made a gizran. That v'shelo yilamed adam et beno yivanit. Gemara will explain that they made a takana. No more teaching your children Greek. 
But Pulmos Aharon, at the final destruction, that was also in the time of Titos, when he finally destroyed the Bet HaMikdash, Gazru Shelot Kala The custom was, he used to take the Kala out on like a, on like a carriage that was covered, like with a tent and things like that. They used to bring her out in the middle of the city. They made a Gezerah, no more strolling the Kala on the day of a wedding in this Aperion. In any event, but the rabbis, however, said it is mutar to take the kala out and put her in the aperion. The Gabbai said because with sinyut, instead of bringing her out without the aperion, but putting her in this carriage, it actually served as a modesty. Comes the Mishnah continues. Now we discuss at the death of certain rabbis, it caused the sealing of an era. There was a certain uh, 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 way of teaching. The rabbis would give examples, mishalim, mashal, parables. And a parable is a very important tool to teach because it opens up the subject where the student now is able to hear the mashal and know exactly what the point is. Rabbi Meir was also an expert in explaining the Torah through parables. When he died... With him was sealed the era of those that knew how to give over the proper Mishalim. Meshemet ben Azai batlua shakdalim. When ben Azai died, he never got married, ben Azai, according to one opinion. And he said, Nafshi hashkabat Torah. I love the Torah. That's my passion. He was a shakdan, which means he was a matmid. He did not stop learning Torah. So the diligent learning ended with the death of ben Azai. Meshemet ben Zoma batlua darshanim. Ben Zoma was famous for his dirashot, which is he was able to learn the Pesukim in the proper way. As you remember, we read in the Agadash of Pesach, where Abil Azar ben Azariah said, Lo balilot. I did not know a source to prove that you have to say Yisiyah Mislam every night. Ben Zoma. Ben Zoma was an expert in dirash, that he was able to find the sources of all the laws from the Torah itself. Comes the Gemara Tzumashimet, Rabbi Akiva, Batel Kavod Torah. When he died, the honor, the glory of Torah died with him. Why? Because Sabi Akiba's greatness was he was Doresh, every single letter of the Torah. Not only the letters of the Torah, but even the Tagim, every kutz of the Torah, he was able to Doresh. Now, when a, when a rabbi can show you that every letter of the Torah is valuable and every um, nuance of the Torah has a meaning, you see, Kavod the Torah, it's, a, it's the glory of the Torah. You say, it's unbelievable, Torah is so perfect. He had that ability to show you that every extra letter head, every extra vav, and so on and so forth. Therefore, when he died, Kavod Torah died with him. Comes the Gemara, because nobody knew how to do it like him. Shemet Rabbi Hanina ben Dosa, but to Anche Maaseh. Rabbi Hanina ben Dosa, as we learned in Masikat Tanit, was a miracle worker. When he died, the miracle workers died with him. As we learned in Masikat Tanit, a few stories. One time there was a lady, she built a house, and the beams did not reach the wall. So he came along and blessed her that the beams should expand. And all of a sudden the beams expanded, and everything was fine. Or another story we learned over there in Masikat Tanit, when he came home, and his wife was crying because she did not have any oil to light the Nirot Shabbat, and it was just vinegar. So Rabbi Hanabi Dosa said, the one that said that the oil should light, will say that the vinegar should light. So she took the vinegar and the, and the Nirot lit. So Rabbi Hanabi was known to be a miracle worker. When he died, that era was sealed. He was on the level of Hasidut. Why did they call him Yosef Katonta? Which means he was the smallest of the Hasidim. Which means when he died, the last of the Hasidim, which he was the smallest of them, passed away. Obviously, the people that were for him were on a even higher level. The splendor of wisdom ceased at the top of Rabbi Yohanan. Rashi over here says on the second column, left side, Batel Ziva Ochma. That she writes That she says, I'm not exactly certain what is this Ziva that went away with the passing of Rabbi Yohanan. But some of the Mefarshim over here want to explain it that it's referring to over here that the great wisdom of Rabbi Yohanan bin Zakat was the student of 
Hillel, it says Hillel had 80 students. The best of the students was Jonathan bin Uziel, the smallest of the students was Rabbi Yohanan bin Zakai, and it says that Rabbi Yohanan bin Zakai knew everything. He even knew the speech of the birds, he knew the speech of the demons, he knew all the, uh, the whole Torah inside and out. So when he died, the splendor of Torah died with him. They had such a man that had such an expertise in all the areas of Torah. The honor of Torah ceased to exist with Abang Gamal Zakin. Until his time, everybody would go to the yeshiva, they would stand when they would study Torah. Just like the Torah was given in a standing position, so to everybody would study Torah when they were standing. Once Abang Gamal came, weakness came to the world. So he passed the law that for now on, you're able to sit in the yeshiva. Oh, so as a result of that, the kavod of the Torah diminished from that time on. Imagine going to the yeshiva, everybody's standing, you see kavod of the Torah. This time on, batel kavod of Torah comes again and continues. Umeta tara uperishut. Already, purity and abstention also died with him. Obviously, these tzaddikim were very pure, and they also minimized their intake of the tavod of this world. Meshemet Rabbi Yishmael ben Peabi. He was a Kohen Gadol. Like we learned in Masechet Pesachim, the Mishra ibn Pavi, the splendor of Kehunah died with him because many Kohanim would eat by his table. He was very hospitable to the other Kohanim and he was a great kavod when he was the Kohen Gadol for himself and the Kehunah at large. Meshemet Rabbi, when the Ben Kadosh passed away, Batla Anava, he was the last of the humble people, the Yiratchet, and the ones that feared sin. It is clear that the Rabbi did not write this part of the Mishnah. We have to assume that the Rabbi is not going to speak of his own praises. We have to say that somebody else added that statement about the Rabbi in the uh, Mishnah. Comes the Gemara and says, when the Beit HaMikdash was destroyed, Boshu Averim. Already the Tamidim uh, Akhirim started to become humiliated and shamed. And those people that came from families that had lineage, also they started to become humiliated. Which means they had to cover their heads, which means they had to, in shame. Because what happened? The Mamzerim and the Ashirim, they came along and took power, and they abused the Tamidiyah Rakhamim, and they also mistreated those people that had lineage. And what happened? The Tzaddikim ended up losing a lot of money, they became Anim, and nobody was taking care of them anymore. And what happened? They gavru ba'ale zerowa u ba'ale lashon. Which means the chutzpah started to become very, very uh, prevalent. Ba'ale zerowa, the people that had might and force and power, and people that were, you know, maligning the tamidah hachamim and speaking lashon ala, this became very, very... Uh, um, Prevalent at the time, ve'en doresh. Nobody was concerned about the welfare of Israel anymore after the destruction. Ve'en bevakesh. Nobody was praying for them. Rachamim. Ve'en shoel. And nobody was asking about their welfare. Ve'en ve'almili. Not only shayen. In such situations, who's the only one we're able to rely on? Alavinu shabbat Which means the Bamzirim were coming along and saying to the Hakamim, "We're more miyuhas than you are," even though that wasn't so. And they were knocking the Tamidah Hakamim as well. <coughs> Comes the Gemaran Ketur. Rabbi Eli Aizra Gadol Omer. The Yom Shacharav the Mikdash. The time of the Mikdash was destroyed. Sharu Hakimaya Lemeheveke Safariyah. The Gemaran is going to show us now that the degree of scholarship at the time of the destruction went down. Every level fell a notch. The Gemara says, the Hachamim became like Safraya. They became like school teachers. The Safraya and the level of the school teacher became like Hazanaya. That's like the Shamosh of the synagogue. The Hazanaya and the Shamosh of the synagogue became Ka'amad Ara, like an Amaris. The Ahmad Ara and the Amaris went all the way down. The end Shoel, the end Mabakesh, which means they were not studying, they were not keeping the Mizvot. Ami, yes, they shine again. In such situations, the only one that we can rely on is Alabinu Shabbat Shamayim. Comes the Mishnah continues, Be'ikbot Mishiha. The Gemara now, Mishnah tells us the different telltale signs that the world is going to look like 
at the time of the coming, the footsteps of the Mashiach. And now we read the signs together. Number one, Chutzpah Yisgeh. There is going to be an increase of Chutzpah, which means a lack of respect, and there's going to be great uh, uh, um, arrogance amongst the, the people. Things that were never done in previous generations. For example, the old generations, people would stand up for their teachers when they came in the room. Today in our generation, a teacher comes in the room, the student takes out a gun. And therefore you see, Chutzpah, Chutzpah is a tremendous level of Chutzpah. Many generations ago, you could not burn the flag of the United States. If somebody would do such a thing, they'd throw him in jail as becoming a traitor. Today a person go on 5th Avenue, burn the flag and speak diatribes against the, uh, the country that they live in and he can even become a presidential candidate. Chutzpah Yezgeh. You see already the level of Chutzpah that the world has sunk into. You don't have to speak this out. It's obvious there's going to be an increase in prices. The prices of all products are going to go up. And the Gemishnah says, The grape is going to give its fruit. I mean, the grape is going to give wine. There's going to be a lot of grapes. Hayayin biyoka, but wine is still going to be expensive, which means the expenses is not necessarily going to be influenced by supply and demand. Even though there's going to be a lot of supply, but since there's going to be tremendous ta'avot, they're going to be able to sell bottles of wine Parties. for very expensive. Because everybody wants a party. Therefore, they're going to spend a lot of money even though the supply is great. Exactly like we see in our time. Now, it should be known that the Yad Ramah, who lived 800 years ago, when he read this Mishnah, said that the signs already were evident in his time. Now, of course, can in our time as well. And anyway, the governments are going to turn to Apikursutu heresy. In the olden days, the governments were all religious governments. They might not have been Jewish governments, but they all were belief system on God. Today the governments already have removed God, separation of church and state, and therefore you see uh, the minute, as well as we know that in the previous generations, of course, everybody had to believe that the, the conventional wisdom was divine design, that God created the world. But now already the government uh, promotes that there was evolution and it's all this type of minut as well. The etokat, nobody's going to be able to give rebuke. Because everybody's going to be guilty of the same crimes, and therefore nobody's going to be able to rebuke his friend. There's going to be meeting places that are designated for harlotry. She's in the olden days, the people were embarrassed to commit zinut. They would go to a pro- an area that nobody knows. Today we have institutions that are in the public domain that everybody knows. You can go to these places and commit zinut. I mean, they're doing it in an open way. Other interpretations say bedvad refers to a schooling. Schools of higher education are going to turn into bed zinut. As we know today, that in many places where the children go to study in the colleges, they have turned also into places of zinut. Places where they are committing these crimes of immorality. Some have said, Bedvaad, this is referring to the synagogues, they have turned to Zenut, Hasbe Shalom, where instead of praying in the synagogues, the shuls themselves have turned into places where people come along dressed immodestly and making parties and things like that that are not befitting to be done in the synagogue. Bedvaad, the place of gathering of Tefillah has turned into a informal fashion show. Comes the Gebran says, Galil Yechayram. The Galil, that's the Galil in Israel, that's the Syria and Lebanon, is going to be destroyed as we see in our time. The Gablan Yishom, that's also a certain place, uh, they're not too certain exactly uh, where it is. The land of the uh, Gablan, some say it's by the, uh, the border of Lebanon, etc., in the north of Israel. And then even it's going to be Shemama, the Anshag Gibul, those people that are living on the borders. They're going to be displaced. They're going to travel from city to city. They're not going to be mercy on them. As we saw even in our time, that the displacement of those Jews living on the border, they were thrown out of their land, and they were not shown any mercy. They were, until today, they're still not relocated. And as we saw in the recent war in Lebanon, that all the Toshavim of Tiberia that lived in the north and Sfat, they had to leave their positions in the north because the rockets were coming and falling on them and they had to leave and that area was dead. Hundreds of thousands of Jews were forced to flee the north of Israel. The Gemara says over here, those who are on the borders, they're not going to be mercy. Which means the generation is not going to appreciate the wisdom of Torah. 
the chokhmah of the Hakevim is going to be putrid in the eyes of the people. Somebody's going to have fear of God. The religious people are going to be despised by the Amaharis. Like we see today, unfortunately, a great disdain towards religious people. Ne'adere means it's going to be very rare. The truth is going to be very scarce. Rav Elchanan Vasman explained this as to say, Flocks, which means there's going to be a lot of divisiveness in the time of the Mashiach, and every group is going to claim that they have the emet. And therefore, each, each group is going to say, the emet is by us, and these guys are off. And the other guys are going to come and say, no, we have the emet. The adarim, adarim, which means there's going to be fractionalism in Klal Yisrael. The uh, young are going to embarrass the old, the elders, like we see today. Elders are going to have to stand, and the youth are going to sit. No longer are the youth going to stand up for their elders. A son is going to embarrass his father. Bat kama be'ima. There's going to be daughters that are going to rise up against their mothers to curse them and embarrass them. Kala b'chamotah. The daughters are all going to fight with the mother-in-law. Oibe ish. A person's enemies and shebeto are going to be his own household. Means there's going to be great fighting in the families of Kaisel his enemies, like we see over here. in great divorce cases where you see the husband and the wife and shebeto, the destruction and the fighting and all this over here. His enemies are going to be. The members of his own household. The leaders of the generation are going to be like the like the dog that has tremendous chutzpah. The leaders are going to be very brazen. That just like a dog, it looks like he's leading, he's leading his master because he walks in front of the master. But when do you realize who's really leading? When the dog gets to the corner, he turns around to see the master signal, should he go right or left? In the generation of the Mashiach, it's going to look like the leaders are leading the generation. But when it comes to making a decision, they're going to look back at the people, at the rich people, to look which way they should vote and which way they should say. So therefore, it's going to be like the generation being led by the dog. The dog looks like he's leading, but he's really not. They're going, the leaders are going to be controlled by the influential people. My son is not going to have busha from his father. In times like this, what do we have what to rely on? Only on our father in heaven. I heard that that's one of the telltale signs. Which means when it's going to come a generation where the people are going to say, there's nothing we can do, we can only rely on God, then you know already we've reached the time of the Mashiach. Which means, many years ago there was conventional wisdom saying, we're going to conquer the land of Israel for ourselves, we have an army, we're going to be able to settle it ourselves. We don't need God, we have, the, we have the army, we have the technology, we have the know-how. 50 years later, with all the wars and all the bloodshed and all the uh, lack of peace on all the borders and all the different type of peace treaties that are not working, everybody's trying to figure out another way to make peace and it's still not working. Now, what is everybody saying? Only there's a solution, only God can solve this problem. When the time comes where everybody recognizes that only God can redeem them from their problems, then already you know that's the Ikbetad Misha. But as long as the people think that they can bring a Yeshua themselves, then it's not going to come. You have to relinquish your power and put it in the hands of God. Then, and which we're at that time already, where even the pundits are saying, you need a miracle. Only God, only a divine power can save us from these uh, from this situation in the Middle East and all the other problems as well, economy, etc. That already you know that you're close to the time. Comes again when says, Amarav. Now the Gemara comes along and says that in the Pulmos of Aspasianos they made a Gizran Atrot Hatanim. That is the tiaras or the crowns, I should say, that the Hatanim used to wear Amarav Loshanu which means they used to make these crowns out of melah, get crystals of salt, like rock salt, and they also used to cover them with sulfur, paint them with sulfur. That was the type of item. So they made a gizra on those items. However, if you want to make the crown out of myrtle branches and vered, as like the uh, the rose uh, roses, that was mutar. They made a gizra even on the roses and the myrtle branches. Mutar, only reeds and helat. That's a type of um, uh, an herb that grows in the water. Even those two items are asud as well. 
asur. Even those two items are forbidden as well. Ve'ala irus. They made a gezra on irus. My irus. Amar bi'elazar. Tabla dehad puma. That is a bell. A bell that has one clapper. They used to use these bells at the weddings. Over there, they stopped their usage. Comes to tells a story. When his son got married, he made him a tambura. Tambura is a tambourine. His father came along, he broke his tambourine. He said, you can't use a tambourine. He told him, why can't you use a tambourine? If we let tambourines, they might come to use a bell with one clapper. Gezera. If they use this item, they might come to use the items the rabbis made a gizra. So what are we supposed to use instead? He told them, Go take a piece of uh, leather and put it on top of the drum. On, on the of the of the heres, of the of the of the earthenware vessel or on the on the jug, which means make a drum. Take the bell, make a drum. Don't put the bells on the side like a tambourine, because then already the people are going to make a gizra. They say if this is mutal, the clapper is mutal, which is really a They made a gizra on Tito's time against the tiaris that the kalot used to wear. My What does this mean? Atrot kalot it was a certain type of tiara that the ladies were with that had like a picture of Jerusalem inside the Jerusalem of gold in gold over there. That was already something that they forbade. What is this tiara that are forbidden for the kalot? They were able to wear a type of hat that was made out of fine wool. They also made a gizra on the chupat, on the canopies of chatanim. My chupat chatanim, zeorita muzevet, there is a certain type of garment that used to have golden strands. Actually, it was actually a red garment that would put, let's say, uh, a metal gold uh, plates on the garment itself. Um that the Hatanim used to, I guess, wear. Yep, yeah, there's all type of garments that had gold, gold hanging, I guess, above them, like a, like a, like a chupa. Tanya chupat Hatanim, muzevet. This type of uh, red garment that has gold strands on it. Amal papirit. He was able to make a woven garment out of reeds. reeds and you can be able to hang from this uh, any type of ornaments that you wanted even gold ornaments they only made the gizra when the chupa itself was gold yeah. But if the chupa itself was made out of reeds, they didn't care what you hang from it. They said, no teaching your children Greek as a language. Now we have to know the history of the Jewish people. There, were, uh, there was a malchut called the malchut Hashmonai. Uh, the malchut Hashmonai ruled over the Jewish people during the times of the second Beit HaMikdash. There was a great mahlokit between two brothers. These brothers over here were... Horkenos um, and Aristoblos. They were both fighting for the kingship. Who's going to take over? Uh, as a result, they actually fought amongst themselves, and the Gebaras going to tell us that they even brought the Romans in to side with one of the sides. And as a result, once the Romans got involved in this mahlokit amongst Jews, that was the entry of the Romans into that region, and eventually they destroyed the Betamek. So it was actually the Jews that invited the Romans to settle their own arguments, and eventually they settled all the arguments. In any event, the Gemara says, when the Hashmonai kings were fighting against each other, that's Horkenos and Aristobulus. Horkenos was outside the walls of Jerusalem, but Aristobulus was inside. Now, Horkenos that was on the outside, he engaged a Roman leader called Pompey. And Pompey came to help Horkenos fight his brother Aristobulus. What happened? The Jews on the inside needed animals to bring for the Qurban. Tamid shel Shachar and Tamid shel Ben Arbayim. But they didn't have animals. There was a siege around Jerusalem. So what happened? So every day, Aristobulus and his people would send down a basket filled with golden uh, coins. They would lower it down the wall. They would take the gold coins and send up 
the animals in order for them to bring it in the bed the So they were paying and they were getting the animals. That was the system. Now, there was a certain old man over there, Jew, that he knew the wisdom of Yavan. He also knew how to speak the Greek language. Not everybody uh, spoke that language. Now, so he went to the people uh, that were surrounding the city of Jerusalem again, just not everybody spoke that language therefore he was able to give him in a secretive way the following information and he told them so, which he told the Romans it seems on the outside listen, you people, you, you're counterproductive so long as you're sending them animals and they're not going to fall, which is the zechut of the korbanot is protecting them. The next day, so the Jews sent down money in that basket. Instead of giving them korbanot, they took the advice of the old man and they sent up a swine. When the swine reached half the wall of Jerusalem, he thrusted his nails into the walls of Jerusalem. It was an earthquake. And the land of Israel shook the land 400 parsa. God obviously was angry at the Hilul Hashem that took place on that day. And who gave him the advice? Somebody that knew Chokmat Yevanit. Beotasha'a Amru. Harur Adam Shigadil Hazirim. First, they cursed any people that uh, raise pigs. Beharur Adam Shilamid Beno Chokmat Yevanit. And cursed is the man that teaches his son Chokmat Yevanit. Because this guy, since he spoke in the Yavan language, he was able to admit a mess to the Greeks, to the, to the Romans. This advice. Beotasha'a Shaninu. On that year, it is said. Normally the Korban Omer was brought from a place very next to the Beta Mikdash. The Torah says you have to bring the Korban Omer on the second day of Pesach. They cut the first wheat, the barley. You cut it from somewhere that is close. But since the enemies had destroyed all the product that was close to the Jews, and they had to bring the Omer from a very far off place, and the two loaves of bread that are brought on Shavuot, from the first wheat, from place that were far from Yerushalayim, because they destroyed everything that was close to the city. That's just to show you the destruction that the Romans did on the outside, that they had to bring now these two korbanot from distant places. Eni, the Gemara says, what are you talking about? You just told me that it's asur to teach your children chokmat yevanit. There was a certain slang um, of Aramaic. And they call that Sursi. So the Gemara says, what do you got to speak Sursi in Israel for? There's no reason to speak that. Why don't you speak nice languages? Either learn Hebrew or learn Greek. So what do you see over here? The rabbis were promoting to even learn Greek. Why do you have to speak Aramaic in Babel? It seems the Persian language is even a higher class language than the Aramaic. So the Gemara was saying in Israel, don't speak the slang. Either speak Hebrew or Greek. And in Bavaria, why should you speak Aramaic? Better to speak either Hebrew or Parsi. But you see what? They allowed them to speak Greek. Look at Rashi. Rashi says, Lashon Sursi. It's close to Aramaic. Which means that as she says that the Yerushalmi is written not in Aramaic. The Yerushalmi is actually written in Sursi. They were close to Greece. The Greek is much nicer language. Good. So comes the Gemara and says, Lashon Yevanit Lehud Vehochma Yevanit Lehud. Which means there's a difference between the language and the Chochma. 
it seems that the Chokhmah is more of a philosophy, is more of a type of, uh, you know, uh, 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 like I said, a philosophical concept, than it is the language itself. It seems the people in the government knew the special code language that they used to speak in. And therefore, Chokhmah Yevani, they don't want, but that's already the code that you can converse with the enemy. But Lashon Yevani, the language itself, is okay. The Chokhmah Yevani, Mi Asira. Is the Chokmav Yevani Asur? Ve'amar of Yehuda Amar Shemuel Meshim Rabban Shemam Gamliel. It says in the pasuk in Echa, Eni Olela LeNavshi Mikol Benot Iri, which means the pasuk says that I should cry and mourn over the destruction of the Beit Hamikdash. Why? Elif Yeladim Ayu BeBeit Abba. Which means that Yudah Amar Shemuel, in the name of Rabban Shemom Gamal, was saying, On me was fulfilled the Pasuk in Echa. That says what? I should cry more about the destruction more than the next guy. Why? What happened to that family? He says, Elif Yiladim Ayubebet Abba. We had a thousand children in the family. Hamesh Mot Namdu Torah. Five hundred studied Torah. The Hamesh Mot Namdu Chokmat Yivanit. And five hundred studied. I'm the only survivor and my uncle's son in Asia area which is they were all killed by the Romans but what do you see from here that the family of Rabban Gamliel studied Uchmat Yevarit he says we were a thousand in our family 500 studied Torah 500 Yevarit I'm the only survivor me and my, uh, my, 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 my uncle's son his cousin but the point is what? They studied it. Kemara says, Shani Shilbet They were different because they were close to the government. They were influential, so they needed to converse with the government, so they were allowed to study Ochmad, Yevanidetanya. Like we learned in the Bible, Misaper Kumi. That's a different type of haircut that the Goim would take, which is Asur. Like the mushroom haircut that they call it. That's the way of the Goim, and you know how to take a haircut in the way of the Goim. However, Aptolos ben Reuven, Hetiru Sapir Kumi, they allowed him to take such a haircut. You know why? Shehu Karov the Malchut, because he was close to the government. He needed to go to the government and talk to them, so therefore he was able to dress like them. And the Gemara says, similarly, they allowed them also to study that language because they were close to the government. They did not let the kalot go in this carriage, this canopy in the middle of the city. And the rabbi said it's mutar. Because better they should be covered in the canopy in order that it should be more modest. Comes the Gemara and tells us, Tanur Rabbanan, Meshemet Rabbi Li'ezer, when Rabbi Li'ezer died, Nignaz Sefer Torah, which means the Rabbi Li'ezer himself was like a living Sefer Torah, which means he had all the traditions of his rabbis, he had all the Chokhmah of Torah in his brain, which means it was like he was a written Sefer Torah, any question you'd ask him, it was like he, he was a walking Sefer Torah. Meshemet Rabbi Yoshua, Batla, Etzal, Mahsuma, Rabbi Yoshua died, he was the advisor of Klai Yisrael. He knew exactly how to answer all the minim and the pikursim. Like the Gemara says in Hagigah, after the Yeshua died, they said, What's going to be with us with the pikursim? And the Yeshua was the expert in answering all these antagonists against the Torah. Let's read Rashi for a second. Rashi says, When the Yisrael died, it was like the Sif Torah was buried. He had a lot of halachot. Or the sudrot mefiv, and it was all in order in his mouth. He had everything uh, in his system. Keilu katu b'sif, like was written in a in a sefer. Kedavas and Adin harbe Torah lamatim rabotai. The Bili Aizdi said, I learned a lot of Torah from my rabbis. Velo od ela shari shores sheloshet alafim alachot. I know three thousand laws on the laws of nitiot kishuin, just on the laws of planting uh, squash. I know three thousand laws. Veshelosh mot b'daheret aza. And I know 300 laws on the laws of Tzara'at, on the, uh, on the coloring of the Tzara'at. And with all that, he said, with all the Torah I learned, it's like a dog that licked the water from the ocean. Which means the ocean remains. All I learned is just a drop in the bucket compared to the wisdom that my rabbis had. Aitzau Mahshama, that's the Yoshua. Shayyaz Sahir bin Dirashot, Ubaqiba Halachot, Ubitshivot Apikursim. 
right? He was an expert in answering the apikos. When Rabbi Yoshua died, the rabbi said, What are we going to do now with the minim? How are we going to answer these people? Everything God creates in the world is is proportionate. Therefore, when the Biyoshua died, so the Minim also lost their wisdom as well. The Minim only had their great wisdom so long as the Biyoshua was there to neutralize it. Once already the greatness of the Biyoshua passed away, even the Pikursim also fell from their level. That means God keeps everything in, uh, in, in, in the same degree, and when one side gets down, the other side also goes down as well. Those are the strong ones of Torah, Zeru'e Torah. What is the, the strong ones in Torah that she says? Omek Sevara, those are at the depth of Sevara, of logic. Velismoch ta'ameh Torah shema'apeh amidrashem mikra'ot. Which means they were able to take the laws of the Torah shema'apeh and find the source for it in the Torah shema'apeh. Ve'otiyot ha'iterot. They were also able to donesh every extra letter in the Torah. The different languages of the Torah that's difficult to explain. The Akiva had that ability as well. And the wellsprings of the Torah were sealed up. The crown of wisdom was batev. The Pasuk says, Rabbi El Azar bin Azariah, like we learned in Masikat Berakot, was a very wealthy man. It says in Masikat Shabbat that he used to have 12,000 Agalim just as Ma'asir in one year. And therefore, Rabbi Azariah was very wealthy. So, when the wealth and the Torah that he had, so when he died, so the crown of Torah also went with him. Like we said, if Hanan Bazar was a miracle worker when he died, you know, that, that miracle uh, went with him. Mishemet Abay Yosef in Katonta, but no Hasidim. Because we said he was from the smallest of the Hasidim. Mishemet Ben Azai, but no Shakdanim, those were the diligent ones that studied Torah. Mishemet Ben Zoma, but no Adarshanim, like we said, he was able to donesh all the Paskim of the Torah. Mishemet the Batsun Gamaliel. When the band Shunga died, the locust came and started to eat all the product, the wheat, and all the tsarot started to fall on Christ and Mishemet Rabbi, and then when Rabbi died, the tsarot only became magnified. Mishemet Rabbi, when the Ben Rakadosh died, with him died Anava, humility and fear of sin. Rav Yosef comes along and tells the Tanah, Lo titne anava, do not say in the Mishnah, Batla anava, de ika ana, because I am still around. Now, exactly what does this mean over here? The Chaura, this is a strange Gemara because he's coming along and broadcasting. Hey, don't say that he's the, that Rabbi's the, when he died, this era of humility ended. I'm still around. So there's different interpretations. One interpretation is that no, nothing is more important to the great rabbis than accuracy in the Mishnah. And therefore, when a Mishnah is going to be inaccurate, Hazrat does a shaker. So therefore, he has to speak up. He has to say, you cannot leave this Mishnah in its state that it is because Hazrat was a shaker. So therefore, he said, Aikar, he wasn't boasting that he was humble, but he was saying, to keep the Mishnayot emet, you have to not state the because there's still humility. Even after the beat. Another interpretation that the Mefarshim say is that Ana was the name of a rabbi. That's what the Gorm of Vilna says. So Rabbi Yosef wasn't talking about himself. Rabbi Yosef was saying, The rabbi that's called Ana, he's still alive and therefore he's Anav. Therefore you cannot just say that the B was the, uh, the, the end of the, uh, end of the era. But there's another interpretation as well. Rabbi Yosef as we know, had a very difficult life. He started off to become one of the greatest rabbis of Israel, as he was, and then we know at the end of his life he went blind. As a result, he forgot many of his Torah. That's why many times you see in Shas that Rav Yosef would tell Abaye, where did you get this from? And Abaye would say, you taught it to us. So you see that Rav Yosef forgot his learning. And then Rav Yosef was saying like this, that if anybody has a hard time Becoming humble, let them look at my life. Because people usually become arrogant 
because of their talents, because of their ability. Rabbi Yosef said, if anybody's going to let their talents and ability get to their head, just look what happened to me. I was on top of it, I was the greatest rabbi. Whenever anybody wanted to know what Allah said, went to Rabbi Yosef. They called him Marechi Taya. He was the one that had all the wheat. He had all the Torah in his brain. And what happened? He forgot his learning. And therefore you learn that everything that God gives you is a gift. And everything's on loan, and it can be taken away at any moment. And therefore, Rabbi Yosef says, if anybody has a problem with uh, I'm the lesson, as long as I'm still alive, everybody can look at the story of my lifetime, and that'll make sure to keep them humility. A person, many people that happened, they went to sleep wealthy, and they woke up the next day poor, because of fluctuations in the market, and so on and so on. Jeez, nothing is guaranteed in life, and therefore a person has success, he becomes Gaba. And there's so many stories of people that had success and all of a sudden it was taken away from them. And therefore when you know everything is fragile and the success of a person is very tenuous. So that already keeps the person because you never know the berachas there can be taken away at any time. So that's what we're saying. But I saw yet another interpretation of Gemara. The Gemara was saying like this. That when you have a great rabbi like Rabbi, and he promoted Anava in Kla Yisrael. So, to say that when he died, there was no more Anava, that's speaking Hasfus Shalom, negative about Rabbi. As if to say, he didn't, he didn't teach it. There was, no, there was no legacy of this Anava in Kla Yisrael. When a great rabbi has a certain midah, so the generation after him benefits because they saw him, and therefore this the anava becomes promoted. But to say that when he died there was no more anava, that's as if to say Hafiz Shalom, his anava was not perpetuated. So to defend the kavod of Rabbi, Rabbi Shalom, what do you mean? I'm, I'm still from the. I'm, I, I, if I have anava today, it's only because of. Uh, because of Rabbi, which is he wasn't coming on to say that he's more humble than Rabbi. He was saying, Adraba, Vaika Ana, don't say it was Batel. Meaning Rabbi's Anava is still around today through me. He was he was supporting Rabbi's Anava, but you can't say Batla Anava. If I have humility today, that's only because of Rabbi's Anava in the generations before. Therefore it's not Batel. That's a kavot to the rabbi to say that his teachings did not go in vain. That his teachings are still perpetuating. Do not say that when the bee died. When Again, he quoted the same interpretations. Ibn Rahman was saying about himself to keep the accuracy of the Mishnah correct, that he is Yiratheit. All we can say was a Tana that was called Anara. She says, Shabbat <laughs>